Hello and welcome to the IGN UK podcast. I'm Alex and I'm joined by uh, Crupper Chups. Excuse me? That's, <laughs> what? That's your name. Oh yes, I'll embrace that. Yes, hello. And uh, Tilly Tots has returned. Hello, pop people. Where have you been? <laughs> I've been in Austin, Texas at Fantastic Fest. Right. Is it? Uh, it was, yeah. I saw lots of films, met Any, lots of people. Best film you've ever seen there ever. What? The best film I've ever seen there ever? I don't know. I'm not prepared for that. Why is this like a Monday morning at school? What have you been doing to the weekend? Yeah. Oh, what's your best film ever? I saw about 12 films, I would say. 13 films, 14. You were over there for how long? Uh, the festival's eight days. Right. Yeah. So at you least a film Austin a day. A Twice a year. Mm. Every six months. Mm. And watch lots of films. Mm. Uh, the film I probably most enjoyed was John Wick. Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves. So what's that all about, Chris? He's a hitman. Okay. He's a hitman who retires to look after his sick wife, oh. who very sadly passes away. Oh. He goes to a funeral, then comes home, and there's a little package waiting for him. It's a little puppy dog that she sent him to start the grieving process. She says, you know, love this dog and right. start moving on with your life. And then Russian mobsters come, I'm welling up now, and they kill the dog. They kill the puppy dog. This is, that's quite a lot of spoilers. This is the first I 10 minutes. The, that's okay. the setup. Right. The, that's Fine. the trailer. That's Fine. the trailer. Okay. All right. That's the trailer. And, and, that, so, and then it ends. And so yeah, exactly. oh. The film is about John Wick uh, hunting down the men who killed his puppy dog that represents his dead wife. Right. And it's brilliant. It's very, it's, it's, it's directed by the guys who did the stunts on Matrix. Okay. So it's very much designed with action in mind. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, it's kind of like, it's almost like a superhero movie as well. You were telling me something interesting about the gunplay They've yeah, coined they a new it, term, a new style. Yeah, he kind of uses, does kung fu, but with the gun, like, does kung fu moves, but shoots at the same time in people's heads, and they call it gun fu. Right. And it's pretty impressive. Okay, because that doesn't sound particularly <laughs> good when you're describing it. I, I can imagine how, how that could look really mm. cool. Yeah. Like, and, a choreography of the Matrix, but with more blood. It's very silly, but really yeah. good fun. If you, if you like your action spectacular. I also like films, revenge dramas, revenge thrillers, where um, the motivation, the final straw, is the death of a dog. Yeah. Like, there's a there are many of them? Red with Brian Cox yeah. right? is probably the only one I'm thinking of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 101 Dalmatians at a push. I don't think it's really a revenge it is. killing. Oh, it is. I don't is. think anybody dies oh, in it, do it they? is. I don't know. <laughs> I don't it's, got, so. um, it's got some really good Bonga. actors in it as well, though, in the smaller roles. Willem Dafoe's in it, Ian McShane, people that kind of chew up the studio when they're on screen. So that was good fun. Yeah. Um, the Closing Night film, which I actually reviewed previous to it, was Nightcrawler, but we haven't spoken about that. Nightcrawler's really good. Mm-hmm. Right. Jake Gyllenhaal might be up for an Oscar for this. It's yeah. kind of like a modern-day taxi driver but set in the world of these people that, that chase, kind of ambulance-chasing paparazzi who get to the scene of a crime before the police do film it and then put it up on TMZ or yeah, yeah, yeah. sell it to the Daily Mail or whatever. Uh, really dark black comedy, yeah. but quite it has a lot to say about what's going on in society we, at the we've moment. We've already got a review of that up on site if yeah. you want to learn more. And a conversation between me and Dan. <laughs> say uh, what? There was Horns, the Daniel Radcliffe, Daniel Radcliffe. horror movie yep. based on the Joe Hill book. Bit disappointing. Mm. Didn't really work. Great book. As a film adaptation, it just. So, what falls short about it? I think it, they, there's this real sad melancholy that, that's all the way through the book that they didn't really capture in the film. Right. It's either kind of going for the horror, jugular, or like the black comedy, or just kind of like, isn't it cool that this guy's got horns and can do this, this stuff? Whereas right. in the book, it's mu- it feels much more serious and okay. it, it carries a weight that. How's Radcliffe? He's okay. I'm not his biggest fan. 
He's fine. It's go. fun watching him do the. It's fun watching him do weird magic and horrible magic <laughs> right. rather than kind of Harry Potter yeah, of magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's doing some unpleasant things to people in this. Right. Uh, what else? If I power through it, Everly is really good. That's Die Hard in a Room, starring Salma Hayek. Right. So yeah, the whole film takes place in this one apartment room with people coming to kill her and her trying to survive yeah. the night. That's quite good. Quite good fun. Silly again, but nice. why? Why? Um, she is a prostitute who has been taken pretty much working as a slave for this gangland boss. Right. And but she's also been working with the police, and the bloke finds out, and so ah. sends all these people to kill her. Gotcha. Uh, Who would have thought it'd be that hard, eh? You'd be surprised. I don't know how she's so what and why she's so good at, with a gun, though. Right. I didn't mention that in my review. Uh, two really good documentaries as well. I'll finish off with um, Electric Boogaloo. Yep. The story of Canon Films. All the low-budget action that you watched in the 80s was made by these guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, Missing in Action, a lot of Chuck Norris movies, yeah, yeah. Dolph Lundgren films. Yeah. Um, and it's just the stories behind that. These two brothers from Israel who moved to Hollywood and tried to make take on the big boys at their own game. Yeah. Very, very funny. What's their kind of biggest movie? Is it like Missing in Action? Um, yeah, I would say so. They did some good movies, like Runaway Train got nominated. I think it won an Oscar, maybe. Right. Uh, but... They're, they're, they're the, probably the most famous films are the ones that were their downfall when they tried to spend a bit more on the budget yeah. and it didn't quite work. And right. those were, there was three in the space of two years. It was over the top. Yeah. They paid Stallone 10 million for that film. Right. And they'd never spent half than that even on a movie before. The whole film, right. Uh, and it was a movie about arm wrestling that was never going to take off. <laughs> uh, Masters of the Universe. Oh, well, that was theirs, was it? Right. That was yep. theirs. That was the, one of their great follies. That didn't really work. Apparently, there's this one of the stories. Stallone came down and visited them on set, and saw like Dolph Lundgren doing all this stuff, and they, yeah. and he said to them, "You've given that guy lines." Yeah. Did you not know we don't you don't give that guy lines? <laughs> 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 and that's funny coming from Stallone. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one was Superman Four. Right. Yeah. Quest for Peace. peace. Yeah. yeah. Where they cast a male model as Nuclear Man and. They they halved the budget halfway through, and so if you what they show they point out that there's one shot of Superman like flying straight into the camera that's used maybe twelve times in the movie, <laughs> <laughs> just with different backgrounds each time. Oh my god! But that's a really funny uh, documentary. And yeah. then the other one is Future Shock, which is the story of 2000 AD, oh, which we've right, okay. we've supported a little bit on the site yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. Um, which was done by Kickstarter through some people. I know through Fright Fest. Really good, really good. If you don't know anything about 2000 AD, I think you'd find it interesting. Yeah. Or if you're an expert in it, I think there's there's some really good it's stories. It's properly warts and all. Like there's some big arguments over the who came up with the idea for Judge Dredd. Right. Uh, they kind of the editor for the ten years when it was apparently terrible talks about why it was so terrible when he was in charge. And oh my God. Yeah. Really, really interesting movie. Uh, that hasn't got a release date yet, but we'll cover that one down the line. Do you think we should do an IGN documentary, warts and all? Or, uh, uh, well, why? What would be the reason for doing a documentary this week, Alex? Uh, because we're closing. IGN no, turned eighteen. No, <laughs> no I do. Yes, IGN did turn eighteen. Yeah. Um, obviously, not us. The bigger group. Yes, it's, it's been around before that. It was n sixty four dot com. Passionite has been around since I think nineteen thirty six. He's been on the internet. <laughs> so. Uh, but yeah, so we've been here in the UK for eight years, but IGN, bless it, 18 years old. So it went out, got drunk and was sick in the gutter. But on Monday, we got a nice little present to celebrate our 18th birthday. 
the dead mouse under the studio. Yeah, okay, should we just um, inform everyone? So we're bringing you this podcast under tremendous hardship and amidst adverse circumstance because a mouse has died somewhere in the podcast studio and we can't even track the little blighter down. It's like a terrible version of Mouse Hunt. We think it's a mouse. Well, could, some, yeah, it could yeah. be a could be that intern thing. Could have been that intern that it, we had, or it could be the DJ Dead Mouse. Or yeah. um, Bear Park may have messed up the first recording of this podcast, and we've killed him. Yeah, it's like Shallow Grave. Kamali's if, not around today. Oh, oh. Um, so the studio really smells. You come in in the morning, it smells like death. But this studio was built by Fred West, wasn't it? Oh no! <laughs> Did you see the Donald Trump <laughs> tweet? <you>? No. <laughs> um, I like your idea about the documentary, though. Do you? Yeah. What will we call it? Who would play us? God, probably Ben Affleck, yeah. <laughs> well, all three of us. In a, docu- <laughs> we, in a documentary, we'd play us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you understand what documentaries are, Chris. No, I don't. Unless we do reenactments. You could do reenactments in a documentary, like the founding there of are, our There are a lot of fun stories mm. that probably should, <laughs> should never, never see, see the light of day. <laughs> can you th- what, what about any from the London office that you can think of? <laughs> oh. well, I'm not going to say. Okay. Absolutely no way. The okay. comings and goings. Exactly. That's the highs a, and lows. It's for a yeah. very different podcast. It is. But yeah, no, it's nice. We, the, the guys in the States put together a timeline of the history of the site, which was quite fun to look at. All, yeah. the, all the ways in which it's changed and evolved over the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's exciting, isn't it? What were you doing 18 years ago? What year was that? Ninety six. Ah, oh, that was my that was my summer of love. The fact, the fact <laughs> the year of we're that, really good at maths. That I'm you're, like, oh, uh, you're you were ninety six. You were ninety six. So what was what happened in the summer of love? Tra- Chris train spotting Spice Girls. Um, you mean train train spotting Spice Girls? <laughs> <laughs> that that was a very exciting summer. Oasis released Morning Glory. Yeah, there was a lot going on yeah, that summer. That was big. Was that ninety six or was that ninety five? It was ninety six. Right. Okay. It was definitely maybe ninety four. It was the year I left school and went to uni. So that summer I went on a lads' holiday with twenty lads, and then I went on a holiday with twenty five girls and one bloke. Wow. Yeah, those were two good holidays. Right. I could Magaluf and Tenerife. They were. There you go. Wow. Classed it up, and I knocked my front teeth out on my eighteenth birthday. Good. Amazing. Classy. What were you doing? So are they fake then? Yeah, these are caps. I've oh, got yeah. little stumps here because I snapped off the what actual teeth. Caps is in cap guns. No, you don't bite really hard and they go off. No. Okay. <laughs> what were you doing 18 years ago, Alex? In '96? Uh, I was. You've probably been in the game industry for 25 years. <laughs> you were already grizzled. Uh, I was working on a PlayStation magazine. We put Lara Croft on the front cover, Ooh. and obviously back then no one really knew who she was. I was telling one of my um, oh, yeah. our US colleagues in Gamescom yeah. that you were there when they announced Tomb Raider, and he was like, "Oh, so like what the reboot Crystal Dynamics?" And I was like, <laughs> "No, no, no. Tomb, Ra- Tomb, Tomb Raider, no, <laughs> way back when in Egypt." It was that was the, you know I've spoken about this trip many times, mm. but it just doesn't happen like that anymore. Back in the good I'm old what, days, uh, like bizarrely, so one of the guys that I went on that trip with has just uh, become friends with me on Facebook and was retelling some of the stories. And we were staying in this hotel really high up, I don't know, 25th floor or something like that. And we're all quite drunk. And he decided, he'd locked himself out of his room. So he decided to go over, climb over the balconies, like three balconies along and shimmy in. And uh, he was throwing like um, metal plates off of the balcony and into the swim pool. And then this laser sight came up from the bottom and it was probably just a laser pointer, but it freaked <laughs> us the shit out. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. And he, he was lasered to death. And what were you doing 18 years ago, Dad? Um, I was 10. And I went, I remember... Suckling on your mum's teeth. Oh, 
Ten? <laughs> you whiz, that, that betrays more about you and your family yeah, family yeah, techniques. I just, right, Fred? I, I need a little bit of love, that's all. All right, Fred West. Um, I remember on the day of the England-Scotland match going to town with my mum mm-hmm. and going to Thomas Cook and booking a holday. Most exciting moment of my life. Book, booking a holiday to Disney World. Ooh. And then midway through the booking process, oh. realising that I had um, I didn't have any shorts on I had my boxer shorts on and I come into town with my boxer shorts <laughs> on that's the, that's the stuff of dreams that doesn't I, 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 I looked down and I had like little Mr. Happy boxer shorts on but obviously I was tense so you could get away with it but I felt tremendously well, did embarrassed did not notice I was, we were booking no she was busy booking the holiday and I was, well, yeah I know but there's the point oh, when we're leaving the house <laughs> I don't know probably... Daniel you're not wearing clothes it's fine was this before or after the match uh, oh before 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 it was town in the morning, morning and then because it was home. a three o'clock kick off and then get back in the afternoon I remember my dad went to that game what he saw the Gaza moment he saw the Gaza moment wow he came, special. he came back very happy sorry Scottish listeners yeah right should we move on with the actual podcast well before we do that ah. one thing we should say is that this podcast has been nominated for an award has shortlisted. it really yes it has I don't believe it I me neither <laughs> but it has <laughs> Uh, so the Games Media Awards are happening in October, so well this month. Uh, Luke has been nominated <coughs> for Rising Star, and the podcast has been nominating, nominated sorry, for Gamer's Choice. Now, uh, a bunch of people in the room somewhere are going to vote for Luke's Awards, so there's nothing we can do about that. But this uh, podcast, you can, because uh, it's a public award, and you can vote for it by going to surveymonkey.com. This is the URL. It's going to be a bit of a uh, gobbledygook, but we'll put it in the story and we'll flash it up on the screen as well. Surveymonkey.com slash S slash 22957JP. Catchy. As memorable as our so, I think we're going we're gonna to work on getting a, a, a pithier <laughs> a way of doing it. URL so I'll repeat that again slowly. Surveymonkey.com slash S slash. This is a bit you need to remember. 22957 Jurassic Park JP. I think people should just look at the story and click on that. You could do it. Or yeah, you could search for it. MCV Gamers Choice. But don't forget to click on the IGN UK one. Or check our Facebook <laughs> yeah. page, IGN UK, or the Twitter feed, IGN UK. We'll be putting it up there probably every hour every on the hour day. for the next two weeks. We need, we need the duck hunters to rally. Yeah, well, they've been great already. Yeah. So I, I put it, popped well, it up on the Facebook Also, page. if you listen to the podcast and you do like it, please vote. And also maybe get 10 of your nearest and dearest to vote as well. Yeah. And Again, get, every day for the next two weeks. And get them yeah. to get 10 people. Yeah. And, then, and yeah. by, the, by next week, everyone in the, in the country and then everyone in the world will have voted for us. If we and can get everyone in the country to 66 million votes, that's about how many people in the country, I think, isn't it? Something like that. That'd be good. Voting twice. If 120, 132 million, 136, <laughs> I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> I do words, I don't do numbers. If If you help us to win this... Right. We'll finally review the Babadook on the podcast. Yes, because that- Dan's actually seen it. Yes, and we um, you the- read the review, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. We haven't talked about it on here. Okay, right. yeah, and, the, and, the, and the episode right. we've put right, right, forward right. for um, consideration for the yeah, award right. is the Blabadook episode. The yeah. Blabadook, a classic. Oh a come classic. on, we really want somebody to win this. might have said we do really want it. It means a lot to us. So anything you can do would be hugely appreciated. Let's move on to the news. Yes. So, first up, uh, some Uncharted 4 concept art has been leaked. Uh, it's from scans from the Art of Uncharted 4 book, which that seems really early that that's kind of doing the rounds already, considering the game's not coming out for goodness knows yeah. how long. Um, and the world looks quite bloody miserable, if I'm quite honest. So, lots of pictures, 
And one of them looks like the lost city of Atlantis here. Ooh. Does that look like Atlantis? Well, it looks like a crumbling city. It's an city, underwater city. Underwater. So um, you've got a picture of Nathan Drake going, uh, sort of staggering along the beach, but it's not a nice looking beach. It's a rainy looking beach. Uh, you've got other pictures of Drake and two other people. I assume it's Drake in a waterlogged city. So there's a, a recurring theme here. Lots of rain and water in Uncharted. You saw that 4. in the t- teaser trailer as yeah. well in the jungle. Maybe that's the power of PlayStation Four. Rain, realistic rain, realistic puddles, dynamic droplets. Um, it's nice to see some of the environments because that's the thing I wonder most about Uncharted is where it's going to be set. Yeah, like I think the gameplay is going to be fairly nice. similar to what we've had in the past. Yeah. I think the story, obviously, we don't know much about that. You know, Drake's older looks quite, to use a filmic term, Chris, the Maison Seine mm-hmm. looks quite depressing. So is that feeding into the characters? He experienced tragedy. He's a bit older. We know that from the trailer. Yeah. But you always want to know the environments. Like, yeah. that's a big part of Uncharted is looking around really interesting environments and yeah. cool parts of the globe. Well, obviously, you can see that. That's an image there. Uh, sorry for uh, listeners who are listening rather than watching the video. But it's uh, looks like a I don't know a village that's crumbled for whatever reason. But you can quite easily see him earthquakes jumping around that. And uh, I just hope. So the, my problem with Uncharted Three was that I, overall it was good, but the levels went on for too long. Make them short, punchy, and exciting. That's what you I want, want from Uncharted. Shorter, Four. sharper thrills and more variation. What about him walking around in the rain for a good couple of hours? Just maybe he's too old for it well he's walked I mean, around he's literally the too old for it for, under, with heat kind of stress for, for Big Pit 3 <laughs> now maybe this is the opposite heat, heat stress I can't remember <laughs> what, oh, okay. what's it called heat stroke sunstroke that'll do yeah heat stress yeah yeah so anyway um, but that's you know it's good to see that uh, hopefully we'll see more of Uncharted 4 probably not until E3 next year I wouldn't have thought no Great. Well, from one uh, visual story on our audio podcast to another <laughs> visual story on you our audio podcast. You can watch this podcast on I know, the but internet with your eyes. I'm just, I'm just do, saying. Do we flash up any images there? I'm just saying the potentially award-winning off. podcast that just deals in pictures. Uh, it hasn't won an award yet. I, I said potentially. Oh, potentially. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I have to do a story I don't want to do now as well. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, I'm doing a story about episode seven's chrome troopers yeah so put some like there's been some it. well i'm not happy about it because i'm gonna have to read spoilers that i don't want to know yeah but they're probably um, not true there's been leaked so concept, let's report them then there's been leaked concept art from star wars episode seven yeah. purporting to show the movie's new bad guys uh and they're calling them chrome troopers in this story why why are they um, calling them chrome troopers well look at the picture on the audio podcast and you'll see uh, can you not describe it with your dulcet tones? Uh, no, because I can't actually see it. I didn't print out the pictures, so <laughs> right. I've, so I've got a problem. It, like, so uh, a while ago, there was uh, a revised stormtrooper helmet, which uh-huh. was leaked. I don't know if it was real or not. So it's basically that, but chrome, and they've got hoods over mm. the top, a bit like kind of Sith esque. Anyway, uh, they look super badass. And then uh, there's speculation the chrome, the chrome Troopers about the Chrome Troopers and their rumoured link to Adam Driver's character. Mm. Uh, but that's very spoiler-heavy. Should I read that out? I don't know that, so let's skip that. Okay. If you want to know that, check out the story on the site. But for me, I just saw Chrome Stormtroopers, and that's all I cared so about. So I was off last week when this story got published, and I looked at the site, and I just, I just thought, that's got to be a typo. Somebody made a really weird typo there. And I looked at the picture, and... Is this... I, I, what? I just 
bit weird, isn't it? Why? I don't know. Having them in... Well, why would you wear a cloak and a hood to, like, disguise your identity and be a bit stealthy and secret? But underneath, you're highly reflective. But maybe they're not... Maybe that's not that. Maybe. Maybe Maybe it's true. Maybe it's true. Maybe um, maybe they reveal their hoods when they're fighting they in bright sunlight cool. and the sunlight bounces off their heads yeah. and it distracts their enemies and that's their advantage. You know what it reminds me of? Um, do you remember in Star Wars Episode One there was that incredibly shiny ship on Tatooine? Yes, I didn't remember that. Yes. <laughs> I was thinking like, oh God, you get fingerprints all over that. It's yeah. like a Brabantia bin. But, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You wouldn't believe it. See, I've got a jewel-lit toaster. It <laughs> doesn't come up well. Enough said. Okay, good. Destiny. Oh, it's back to me. Good yeah, gosh. come on now. Right, Destiny. <laughs> you, put, you put together this running order. <laughs> I know I did. And I put together two stories that I hadn't read oh, before Alex, five you minutes. You've given yourself a story stress. No, sorry. I <laughs> <laughs> story straight. Actually. Is this a visually led story? You'll be pleased to know it's not. <laughs> so, uh, a, a bug in Destiny, which came with a new patch, has revealed, according to us, a ton of new incoming content. Basically, it's a load of new uh, single player missions, or fire team strikes, uh, raids, etc based on some of the maps that are there already. So um, I will read it out to you. Um, So there are two new planned expansions, if this bug is to be believed. One is called The Dark Below, and we're all aware of The Dark Below, aren't we? Mm -hmm. Uh, House of Wolves. (laughs) Sorry. Um, House of Wolves. (laughs) He loves House of Wolves, doesn't he? I I just like The Dark Below. (laughs) Wow. Um, That's what I call my balls. (laughs) Exactly. So some of the uh, missions on the dark below, uh, the Awakening, happened on the moon for level 20 story mission for a fire team of one to three players. I think that's what it says here. It's very blurry. Um, And then you've got something called the Seeding. So it's a swing of the dark below, a mission called the Seeding. Uh, That's only a level 18 story and it's easy. I think that probably is referring to your balls. Um... Uh, elsewhere, you've got the House of Wolves, uh, Wolves Harvest, which is level 20 story, fire team mission for one to three players, co-op, and then another dark uh, below thing taking place on the moon, Crotter's End, a level 28 raid, so that's pretty high level. Scrotter's End. Ding! Uh, fire team six players, PlayStation Plus, required weekly rewards. We need to get back into it, Al. I know, so... You've lost your way slightly. Well, so I played some Crucible um, over the weekend. Uh, Saturday, I really enjoyed it. I was... Holding my own, I was doing. <laughs> 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 oh. <laughs> I was holding my dark blade. Yes, holding exactly. your scrotus end, yeah. <laughs> and I was doing all right. Um, and because obviously I was, I'm, uh, I think I was level ten or level eleven at the time, but playing against level 24, 25 people, and every time you get a kill, obviously you get a lot more experience. So in about two hours, I was leveling up every single time. Um, and then Sunday, uh, I went on again, and I was absolute horsecock. It just wasn't very good. Mm. And it was just, I was getting destroyed left, right and centre and it wasn't fun so I stopped and I haven't played it since. Oh. I know. Well, sorry tale. Let's rectify that. Let's think? rectify that, yes. Well, I'll, I'll get back on it. Because um, I was enjoying it a lot but I just don't like, it's the reason why I don't play many multiplayer games is that if you're competing on a relatively even playing field, it's fun. If you get mm. destroyed the, the moment you appear, it's yeah. not. So, yeah. There you go. That is the Destiny story. Okay. Last story from Danielle. So the last story is Ben Affleck appeared on live with Kelly and Michael, which used to be Kelly and Regis. It's like Good Morning America. Right. He's been on a bloody everything, actually. If if you're on your Twitter, every... Ben Affleck? Yeah. Apart from IGN. I'll be on IGN. It's not... 
Um, and, the, and he revealed on the show that he was really interested in purchasing the Batsuit that he wears in the upcoming film Superman vs. Mm. Batman. And he was interested until the point where they told him how much it would set him back. So is there only one? I can't imagine there's only one. I was going to say, how do they make a sequel if they've sold it to him? Yeah, it sold it to him. Oh, sorry, guys. Also, that, yeah, down production. That would absolutely honk by the end of filming, wouldn't it? There'll, so, be, there'll be multiple versions of it that are slightly different. Th- the dark below. They'll allow him to do different things. Mm. Like There'll be one that's better for when he sat in the car, I bet, and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but they said it cost... Different suit for sitting in the car. No, but, I know what you, you mean. You know what I mean. I know. So, I mean filmmaking purposes, it'll be really... I know. Yeah. Um... Guess how much? Well, you know how much. It's $100,000. I can't imagine it costs that much to make. $100,000? Yeah. yeah. But he's Ben Affleck. He's he, being paid about well, is, $25 million for it. This is if what, he wants the suit. And I thought, well, I think, that's not actually that much. I think the news here is not so much how much the suit is worth. Is Ben Affleck's a bit tight. Yeah. Yeah. He's just like, put nah. But do you think... I think he, wanted, was, he was trying to blag it. Yeah, exactly. He's like, I'm Batman. Give it to me. Yeah. If the, if the film isn't a total disaster, you buy that in five years, that's worth loads, half a million, a million, and, and ben two million. Says, uh, and he said, ah, oh, for 100K. And then I said, well, maybe I'll just take a picture. Wow. $100,000. Well, so that's like you don't need 60, a picture, 60 grand. It's really not. Like when you earn that much money. Yeah. And you, how much is he worth? You well, I found a figure online that he's estimated to be worth 75 million. That's good enough for me. There you go. We could all put 10 grand in. I haven't got 10 grand. I'd speak for yourself. You know, whip round. Well, you, you, well, you yeah. can put 10 grand in. Well, yeah, Everyone who listens to this three. podcast put a pound in. We could buy it. That's true. Yep. How do we do that? Do, like, can I have it on weekends? We could do. <laughs> okay. Ooh, okay. No, you just wear it for every podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <Quite> <laughs> just like that time um, you make Kilby um, wear the helmet for the podcast. Although, again, that was a visual gag done before uh, we did the uh, video version. It was funny, though. It was funny. Yeah, to be there. So they said they spent a lot of money on every little detail. Like, it won't cost 100000 to manufacture. No. So, that, you know, they are picking that figure out of thin air, really. I uh, think they're, they're having a laugh. They are having a laugh. Yeah. Now, I've got some other... How much is an amazing bespoke suit? Oh, like from Savile Row? Yeah. Why'd you go to Savile Row? What do you want? Bass. Old picture of the bass suit. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, if you can do it for under 100000 I'll have it. That would be a good video. We should do that. Go to Savile Row. You're doing it. It's going to kill me to do it. No. Get someone for Savile Row to analyse Bond suits. That would be a good feature. Mm. Let's, uh, let's do that. Let's do this off. This is our editorial meeting. What are we doing? Okay. And I like that. And then it's, that's our fly on the wall documentary. That's how we work. Just a glimpse there. Now, that's pretty steep, isn't it? Yeah. So you set me with a little mission, didn't you, Alex? I did. To find some of the most expensive movie memorabilia of all time. Yeah. Do you want to know some of these? Do you want to do, you want to do uh, this? We want to have a guess. guess. Do you want to have a guess? Oh, what's going on? I know. It's game time, Chris. <laughs> what happened? Get on, thought... Put on your game face. Okay. Yeah. You and me. Yeah. Got to guess. These are some of the most expensive pieces of movie memorabilia. Right. Of all time. Okay. Now I'm going to say it. Yep. I want you to both say a figure, and we'll work out who's closest. All right. Oh crap! I need a pen. Thank you. There we go. Okay. Let's do this. We're taking so, turns to go first. I'll go first. First. This is most expensive <laughs> stuff of all time. Okay. We're going to start, we're gonna start with the Tie Fighter from Star Wars Ooh. Episode Four. What? Mod- like? What do you mean? A tie the model. Fighter? The model used the model in the, the, the um, I would really like. Do you know what Tie stands for? 
in TIE Fighter? No. Oh, oh um, Twin Ion Engine. Correct. Ding. Never knew that. Uh, TIE Fighter, gosh. Well, I would assume it's more than 100,000. So this is one of the originals from episode four. It would be worth... You'll be able to get your eye in after this one. I think it's three million dollars. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to go. Uh, are we doing dollars or pounds? Um, do dollars. Okay, a hundred thousand pounds. What? <laughs> he said dollars. Hundred thousand dollars. All right, Chris. <laughs> Just be different. <laughs> um, Chris is closest. Uh, it is four hundred and two thousand dollars. Five hundred. Bargain. Oh, I nearly said that. Okay. All right. Okay. Number two. Are you going up in value? Um, I'm going to dart around. I was going to say, mix it I'm up. I'm going to dart around. Yeah. All right. Okay, so we're going to go for the Ruby Slippers from Wizard of Oz. I am going to go... Um, Why are you talking like that? I'm going to go $250,000. All right. We, we, this is, should be a game of speed as well. Yeah. yeah. This, right. is de- oh, this, is de- right. this is dead air. I'm really worried they're going to be really okay. close. I'm going to have to do quick maths. All right. In that case, I'll go uh, 275. <laughs> He's So Alex is closest. It is $660,000. I'd go for a TIE fighter rather than a pair of red slippers. So it's be- best of five. All right. That's three out of five. All right. I'm first. Okay. So... The Aston Martin from Goldfinger. Oh, which why, which? The Aston Martin from Goldfinger. Is, what is that? The DB five or? I, don't I think know. there's only uh, yeah. I don't know. It's an Aston Martin from Goldfinger. Right. Uh, that, that'll be. <laughs> oh God, I have no idea. <laughs> two million dollars. Chris, I am going to go uh, eight hundred thousand dollars. Mm. Alex is closest. That is the most expensive movie wow. pop of all time. Four point one million. Wow, <laughs> that's amazing. Okay, best three out of five. Alex is one away on two. Um, next one. Time, so, wow, the Terminator model of the um, T eight hundred is he? Uh, T eight hundred. Yeah, from, the first um, movie from Judgment Day. <laughs> from Judgment Day. From Judgment Day. Oh, okay. But still the T-800. Yeah. I'm going to go... Because the other one was visual effects. Or I'm going to go $800,000 again. Or the T-800,000. <laughs> Alex? Uh, I'm going to go a million. No, hang on. No, I've said it. Um, Chris is closest. Yeah, I think it's a lot less Yeah, a lot less than that. If the TIE fight was 400000 okay. I'm such a dingbat. Okay. Or maybe I'm just playing it for okay. the last round. So, Here we go. So, two each. Decider. I hope you're playing along at home. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get this on other podcasts. Okay, it's so... Good, but uh, it's not right. Here's another. <laughs> okay. Hey, watch your see. Okay. Um, Audrey Hepburn's little back dress from Breakfast at Tiffany's. Two hundred and thirty thousand dollars. Two hundred thirty. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> That's I'm the noise he makes when he thinks of Audrey Hepburn. Oh, <laughs> one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, <laughs> one hundred and fifty okay. quid. One hundred and fifty million. So. 
Alex wins. Ah, well played. So that is the third most expensive mm. piece of movie memorabilia at $922,000. Wow. Um, Amazing. So number one was Aston Martin. Number two, one I didn't read out, was a car. This is a car driven by Elvis in the movie Spin Out right. for $1.2 That's definitely the Elvis effect on that one. Mm. Um, number four, the cowardly lion costume from The Wizard of Oz was 805000 Right. That's interesting, isn't it? There you go. Very good. Yeah. Right. Uh, let's have a chat, shall we? Let's have a chat. What have uh, we been doing for the last half hour? We got an email from Kyle Barrett, which I thought could open up an interesting conversation. Yeah. So uh, Kyle says, uh, with the news that Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon 2 will be Netflix's first feature film, Ooh. does this mark the start of a new era of film viewing and making? Netflix is currently dominating the television market with its mostly great original programming such as House of Cards and Orange is the New Black. So will this venture see the company come to the forefront of an increasingly stagnant film industry? Will the cinema become less popular with audiences when great films are released at the same time worldwide and can be viewed when and how the viewer wants? Or will it just become the latest fad that won't last very long? What do you guys think? Oh, wow. What a great question. Mm. Mm. Thank you, Kyle. So, yeah, this was big news this week that it's going to be next summer that, that Crouching Tiger will premiere in cinemas and on Netflix on the same day. Uh, and interestingly, there's an addition to this, which I mentioned to Alex just before we came on air. The um, a, a, Several cinema chains have said they will now be boycotting the film yeah. in America because the big thing for the cinema chains is to have this window, which yeah, is getting smaller and yeah. smaller. Yeah. Um, Why and, would you go to the cinema if you've got it on Netflix for six quid? Well, uh, I don't know, because of the spectacle. Experience. Yeah, maybe, but... It's like, you know, you didn't really enjoy Gravity as much as the rest of us, yeah, and but, you watched it on a small screen. But I would say that Gravity is probably uh, more geared towards that than Crouching Tiger. Yeah, but I, th- I think Crouching Tiger is going to be in through. I mean, I, I look, it's one of my favourite action movies. Is it? Yeah, I absolutely okay. love the and original. And I think they were talking about it being in 3D as well. Yeah, right. That's really appealing to me. Like, more and more, I think, of the big movies now are, they're trying to give you all these different hooks to make you know the IMAX and the 3D to make you D-box. need to see them on yeah. the big screen yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean you know the Christopher Nolan movies and all the superhero movies so I I can see myself still going to the cinema so this kind it's, of it's just when it's the drama you know when it's a, it's, it's a film without the bangs and whistles yeah then yeah I totally agree I'll watch that at home I'm well like, I think we do that sometimes you, you if you miss a film at the cinema you go oh, it doesn't matter it doesn't feel like a, a cinema film yeah, to yeah, me yeah, yeah, yeah. Qua- I, I can imagine myself equally enjoying that watching that on a small screen yeah, yeah. increasingly your small screen is an increasingly bigger screen yeah, yeah. and a more cinema like experience yeah, in terms yeah, of quality yeah. and stuff like that but this is kind of the more the internet version of something that happened with Ben Wheatley's film Mm. Um, Field in England because that mm. did a simultaneous release in cinemas mm-hmm. and on DVD and Blu-ray mm-hmm. so this is almost like pushing it a little bit further that you don't even have to go out and buy a Blu-ray DVD it, it it's going to be like come straight the... to your house well it was on film 4 as well oh, of course same, it was as well day, of course so it was. was so was it part of like you get it for your £6 a month Netflix package or do you have to pay well uh, this pre- particular deal yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know the ins and outs but I would imagine I would it's, it's so, going to be part of your there's going to be no additional cost to that I'm sure of it that's Netflix, Netflix must have paid a ton of cash for that. Netflix but, have but at the same time, it's not a huge release. It actually, I don't think it's got. It hasn't got because the, the, this is the less appealing aspect of this particular film. It's not got the same director. I don't think it's got the same actors. Right. So it's going to be one of those sequels more in name than actual. It's been so, a long time since the last. One, it's been yeah. a long time. So yeah. it, this isn't actually a huge release. This movie. Yeah. This it's, is. This it is sounds huge slight, because obviously the name. And, it's yeah. like it's not like Gone Girl is yeah. is doing yes. this. Yeah. You know, this week it's this is a film that. You know, they probably did a reasonable deal on it, but 
I don't think they would have had to break the bank to do this. It was just, yeah, but it's it, just it's the first a, one. It's a good stepping stone, though. Because you, you can, the next Gone Girl, I wouldn't be astonished if that happens. Obviously, Fincher says, you know, he has a relationship making stuff for Netflix. Well, yeah. Stuff's got, stuff like this is going to happen and chip away at yeah. it. The dirt of all the Marvel TV show, again, is going to raise the kind of prestige of Netflix. Well, that's what I wonder is, is if it will just change uh, the kind <clears> of films we see in cinemas and this kind of, which is already happening if you look at the box office, but. You know, it'll only it, all dramas, all thrillers will go on telly at the same time as the cinemas, yeah. and then it will be the blockbusters, the yeah, ones yeah, that yeah. have the window. Yeah, you almost seen that already with Netflix and documentaries. Like documentaries, notoriously hard to secure a distributor for, mm-hmm. especially at like a nationwide level. Just go straight to Netflix. You get on, you'll get a much bigger following and yeah, audience, yeah, yeah. and then you might be able to do a cinema release at the same time in some way. I wonder if they'll get the. Because obviously they will need an uplift in terms of subscribers for in order for it to make kind of business sense. I don't know. Not based on one film, I wouldn't. But obviously I don't get to go to the cinema that much. Having the ability to see films at the same time as you guys yeah, without having to kind of organise a babysit or this, that, and that, that sounds really appealing to me. Well, no one's going to buy Netflix for Crouch, Tiger, Hidden Dragon 2, no. I don't believe. But I bought Netflix because of Breaking Bad. Right. So if they did a deal like that with a studio where yeah, yeah, yeah. Fincher's next five films are on Netflix, yeah. then maybe that would that would be the hook for for other people. Yeah. Um, or you know, a certain back all the Bond films suddenly come to Netflix. The problem with Netflix it's like, it's like though, iTunes. A lot of people. Can, sorry, go on. Well, you yeah. can just disappear. Like yeah. you can subscribe and then you can leave it. So you subscribe and pay a month or get your free month thing. Like the number of like, I'll oh, come back to Netflix, please. Here's a month. Here's three months. Yeah. It's easy to do it all for free. <laughs> yeah. Well, you say that. Uh, I'm not. You don't like it. Uh, but I thought. I just don't consume I wanted, enough TV at home yeah. to make it valid. I wanted to um, look up a quote because um, I think it's pertinent here. It's the Lucas and Spielberg take on what's going to happen to cinemas over the next kind of mm. 10 years, 10, 20 years. You're going to end up with fewer theatres, bigger theatres with a lot of nice things. Going to the movies will cost 50 bucks or 100 or 150 bucks, like, like what Broadway costs today or a football game. Mm-hmm. So, this idea that cinemas will remain, mm. but like you're saying, that experience of having all the bells and whistles will become more and more pronounced and it will be like going to the theatre where it's like a special event and a special occasion. Well, uh, some of my friends who are geeky film people like myself, they go to the cinema mainly to the Prince Charles to watch... Events. Yeah, event stuff, old stuff, you know, double bills and classic 80s movies and things like that. And for me, you know, I've, I've talked about it before on here, but that the, the cinemas I go to in Austin, the, the Draft House cinemas, the experience they give me makes me leave, would make me leave my home. The, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. food, the yeah. drink, yeah. just the, the, the trailers, the, the strictness with which they won't let anyone have their phone on at any point yeah. during the film or talk. Um, that makes that would get me out of my house. Or secret yeah. cinema recently, of course. Yeah, secret yeah. cinema yeah. event. And, and equally, you know, I, I emailed you guys yesterday because I thought it was pretty amazing, the news that... Um, the biggest film this week in UK cinemas wasn't The Equaliser, which was the big new release, but it was one day a live screening of Billy Elliot. And it's the first time an event uh, screening has gone to number one in the UK oh. box office. That's really interesting to me. That, that's that's people watching a film of the stage show yeah. rather than going to the Unlike, the, unlike the smaller great, kind yeah. of um, independent or art house cinemas have been doing this in the last few years. Like they show the National Opera in cinemas. They show, um, they show Danny, I watched Danny Boyle's Frankenstein in the yeah. cinema. I, I, haven't, I haven't done the opera thing, but my uncle said it was the most wonderful. He went, he went a, few, a few weeks ago. He said it was just the most wonderful experience. Like you really felt like you were there. And there's additions, you know, you go backstage beforehand. They talk to the cast and things. And it's just, and it's so cheap. 
cheap. It's like ten pounds yeah, rather than a hundred yeah. yeah. pounds. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah, remember yeah. so something else like some cinemas show Wimbledon and they show the World Cup. World Cup yeah. So it's using theatres as theatres for places of public broadcast, but not necessarily film theatres. Yeah. yeah. Well, we watched the first episode of the last season of Breaking Bad yeah. on Gotham in a cinema the week as and well. Gotham. Uh, with with TV fun? being so good, uh, again the Draft House has done that before. They screen Game of Thrones or Mad Men it's, it, because the the TV's become such a kind of collective experience now mm. that we're all talking about the next day at work. Yeah. Why not watch it with what? you know with your friends? I've, yeah. yeah, I've thought about this for years now, and I feel it's case that Netflix is being really innovative, progressive, pushing mm. the envelope, and cinemas are staying static yeah. and just jacking up the prices elsewhere rather than offering a more diverse experience. Like some cinemas offering sport and yeah. mm. theatre are trying to do that, and for ages when you watch um, when Game of Thrones starts and you look at it and you look how beautiful it looks, yeah, you look yeah. the production values, I would totally pay for a season pass at a cinema and yeah. say here's 30 40 quid up front yeah. and i can go every week for 12 weeks and watch the entire season yeah. on a big screen or, yeah. or binge watching you know you do, you do the marathon at home why not have the option of doing it that weekend in a cinema watching you know all 10 yeah. house of cards if, yeah if you want to well, do i know that. you know yeah. so many people who do these marathons and they mm. watch in their living room and yeah. it's, it's middle of the day if they yeah. could go somewhere special and there's like food and drink put on but you are it's, it's the environment i think and yeah like, so like the multiplex environment is just unpleasant yeah but yeah we've got like a little local cinema we where we live and you can sit there you have a table to yourself you can have drinks there it's very civilized mm. and it's, it, yeah it's very civilized <laughs> Put your feet up. there's an article in time out this week with uh they're trying to find london's best cinema mm. and that's interesting they've got various celebrities talking about their local and someone's got the curzon soho yeah someone the prince charles someone the Odinesta square and it it's not maybe they need to become more of these cultural local yeah. hubs yeah, rather so. you know because the, the multiplex did dom- did come to dominate but i feel yeah. like more and more now people are moving away from that yeah. because of you know Especially because of the yeah. texting and the talking and the just the lack of manners these days yeah, in the yeah, cinema yeah, yeah. Yeah, i think it's yeah. uh, you feel more justified paying a higher cinema ticket price if you go somewhere and it's also a beautiful place to be yeah. for yeah. a few hours you have rather a glass than, of wine in the bar beforehand yeah, 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 you exactly. go oh I feel like yeah. I've had a proper night out rather than going to a multiplex where it's just awful and your shoes are sticking to the floor yeah. and oh, I feel terrible it, I feel like it's an interesting time we're at though isn't it <laughs> it's an interesting time though like I think it'll be in 10 years time it'll be a very different world we live in in yeah. terms of yeah. how we watch movies and where we watch them but where that'll be, I don't know, but it's a great question, Carl. It'd be good to hear every one, you know, the listeners' thoughts on this. Yeah. How do they get in touch? I've got no idea. <laughs> I reckon they could email IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. Yes. I, I think you might be yeah. right. That's the first time I've ever got that right. Yeah. Well done. I didn't realise it was at the top of all the emails. Oh, by the way, we're going to do reader feedback now. You know, I always have a moan at Luke about it. I've done it this week, so if I've done it wrong, have a go at me. All okay, right. Good. Who's got the first piece? So I believe I do. Um, it's from Scott Mackey. And he said, couldn't help but notice that Doctor Who hasn't been mentioned since Series 8 started. So what are your opinions on Series 8? Peter Capaldi is the Doctor so far. For me, Series 8 is an improvement over the last series, but it's still got some way to go before it's back to its former glory. And I think Capaldi is great as the Doctor. So I actually haven't watched a single episode, I'm afraid to say. I have. Okay, and, and Dan, I know Dan has, so why do you take it away? Yeah, dipped into it slightly. I, so I watched the first two episodes. I found the f- the first episode was really clunky. Uh, yeah. I didn't enjoy it. Um, and obviously he's finding his feet and they've got a lot to explore. He doesn't have any feet in the first episode. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> That's a weird plot line. He's <laughs> um, far out there, man. Uh, and then the second one, um, I can't even remember what happened in it. 
And I, I thought, right, I'm going to download download these, watch them on the train. And I just kind of got sidetracked with Hannibal and other stuff. Mm-hmm. And I've got no desire to go back in and watch it, which yeah. is a shame because I really enjoyed Matt Smith. Even when it was a bad episode, I still enjoyed him. Mm. And I, I haven't warmed to Capaldi. Yeah. I, I think I need to give him... I think we should say, yeah, none of us are the, really the biggest Doctor Who fans, especially like Tom left and Tom was our resident Doctor yeah. Who fan. So yeah. we get a freelancer to review it for us, but he's been quite positive on the series yeah. on, on a whole. Yeah. And there are a couple of episodes that I do want to check out. I want to check out Listen, which is kind of the horror-tinged episode. Yeah. And yeah. this week's episode apparently is kind of got a lot in common with John Carpenter's The Thing. Ah. Mm, so okay. I might check that one out yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. I think my problem is, is that I'm not a huge Peter Capaldi fan, even though I love the thick of it and him yep. and that. I'm not, not a big fan of him in other things. And so what I kind of needed was you guys or someone else to say, wow, you've got to check it out. And no one's been doing that. No. So it's it's not really made me kind of um, search it out. But maybe yeah. I'll check out the Listen episode yeah. as well. Yeah, very good things. Uh, Philip Cowlam Jones writes in saying having been pondering Battlefield Hardline I began wondering why we see few collaborations between game studios even within companies certainly there's a lot of potential there but it may be just too difficult to manage still I think there are a few matchups that make sense to keep it EA themed how about a game from Bioware and Respawn great great storytelling meets some of the best modern gameplay in my opinion any suggestions well like companies like Ubisoft they do a lot of their studios collaborate on games. I think Assassin's Creed has got like five or six different studios all contributing different parts uh, to that game. Um, that would be, it's but that's more kind the, of that's kind crowdsourcing technology. Yeah, is it, sharing think, hardware. I think there's a difference and, between collaborating yeah, 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 and then yeah. they're just like, oh, we need all hands on deck to do different parts of this to make yeah. release time. I think the point he's making there yeah. is, you know, a studio that's renowned for th- their pedigree yeah. in one part of the game, and like Bioware, for example. Um, it's a it's a tricky one because, you know, I think. Well, Dice doing the multiplayer for Hardline makes sense. Playing to their strengths and yeah. Visceral doing... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think Dice are very good at making single-player games at all. So, as far as I'm concerned, take them the heck out of there. I think it's a great idea. I think the only problem would come is, you know, video game development is incredibly international. Yeah. And if you want a, pro- like a single-player game to have some sort of cohesion, I do think it needs to be made under one roof, probably. Yeah. Um, so... That must might maybe where it would fall down. Yeah, and I, I think I don't know. Let's try. And, I'm trying to think of some other examples. Like I don't know, Gearbox. You know, doing Aliens, Colonial Marines, and uh, whoever they farmed it out to. The problem you've got there is that you can lose direction very, very quickly. And one studio thinks that you're doing one thing, but actually you're doing something else, and very, very difficult to manage. I think. Yeah. Cool. Um, I have an email from Jason Tilling who says, "Hi guys, I was listening to your podcast last week concerning which TV box sets you're watching." I wanted to know how you choose which new TV series to start watching and getting into. Certainly with all the new TV series coming for autumn, like The Last Ship, The Strain, The Leftovers, how do you choose which ones to give some viewing time to? Do you base it on recommendations from friends, actors, genre, producer, or like me, do you watch maybe the first three episodes and if by the end of the third you are not hooked, give up? Good question. Well, I just mm. listen to you a lot. Yeah. So you got started on Hannibal, Although, me raving That's how about. I got on, yeah, Hannibal, that. Uh, I'm trying to think how I got into Arrow. I think you it was me. I was, yeah. say, I was telling yeah. you that it was okay, yeah. but the people were saying it was great, and yeah. then so you gave it a go and you really liked it. Yeah. But at first you didn't like it. You are well stuck into it. Takes, yeah. Well, I, I, it was one of those, it was plain uh, fodder. Yeah. So I it's, think, it is I, think that I was going over to San Francisco, and easy it's like, watch. you know, you watch kind of seven episodes yeah. back to back, and it's, it's like, easy. and that's when you get into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, Breaking Bad, obviously, everybody's ranting and raving about yeah. Breaking Bad. But new stuff, it's, I don't know. Do you ever I, try it and then like, just go, I've had enough of this? Um, well, I would say most of the stuff that I watch tends like to have been... You, it's almost pre-vetted. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's a smart thing to do. It's wait, don't don't rush into, don't be an early adopter. Yeah. Because you can get burnt that way, but just get wait cancelled, and see. Yeah. Yeah. Get cancelled, that's that's a big that's problem. That's the worst, isn't it? Because also, if you're really into something, it gets canned. The best filmmakers in the world, Spielberg, Fincher, Abrams, oh, yeah. I'll still wait, you know, just because their name's at the top of something. Yeah. yeah. I'll wait, you know, that, that Spielberg T- thing. Taken. That, Do you remember Taken by Spielberg? Yep. Are you on about something else? I remember <laughs> getting really into Taken, really getting on the bandwagon for that, going, this is going to be the greatest yeah, thing yeah, ever, yeah. is Spielberg doing aliens. Yeah. And then. It wasn't very good and it got canned. He's lent his name to a lot of bad He has, TV, that's actually. the thing. It doesn't mean much anymore. Yeah. No. No, it doesn't. So um, you still haven't watched Band of Brothers, have you? No. Nope. Watch Band of Brothers. Yeah, that's very good. Cool. I'll I do couldn't it. give you a, a bigger recommendation. Okay. Yeah, I'll watch so, it. So exactly, that's exactly what I'm thinking, though, with The Strain and The Leftovers. I want to watch both of them, but I'm going to wait and see. I just want to watch The Blacklist and Orphan Black, because I haven't watched them. I, uh, I watched the first series of The Blacklist. I'm not going to watch the second series. Okay. It's all right. Person of Orf- interest. Orphan well. Black's okay. It's yeah. quite good fun. Didn't love it. Not, again, I watched the first season. not going to watch the second season. Person of interest. Haven't seen it. Good. So. Enjoying Ray Donovan. Ray, ooh. Quite okay. enjoying Ray Donovan. I need to watch Peaky Blinders, because you keep raving about love it. it. It's good. Okay. okay so uh, next one is from Scott Penn hey Scott um, he said he squealed like a little girl when I saw that Civ Beyond Earth was coming out I have booked the entire week off work sent out my advance out of contact memo to all retail partners in the country he's kind of a big deal Scott and head office mm-hmm. and my fiance is fully prepared to cook for the week and keep me hydrated <laughs> he does yeah. give some context a little bit of a good job is, uh, yeah but I don't want to yeah we don't want to go into the details much. yeah um I guess you really can't grow out of games. And he wants to know, any games return you to your childhood like that? Or movies as well. Let's, let's expand it to I was going to do that, yeah. Um, I think a new Mario game always yeah, does Mario that to me. Or a new Zelda, because yeah. those, Zelda, are, the ge- Zelda, those yeah, are the series that you've yeah. played throughout your life yeah. in various incarnations. Mm-hmm. So like playing a Zelda game always returns me to um, Christmas, the time Ocarina um, yeah. of Time came out. And I just played it all day in my pajamas. Yeah. I remember doing, stopping, yeah. pausing at a boss fight, having my Christmas dinner, going yeah. straight back to it, just playing it all night and then going to bed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 That's all I did. And so it really takes you back to that time. Yeah. What about you? So- well, I think it would be Zelda, yeah. Because um, I've kind of fallen out with Mario. Me what what happened? We don't get on fair anymore. Well, well, you know, I prefer Luigi. Is it since he moved in next door? <laughs> no, it's just I, I don't have the kind of time or patience to be good at those games that require precision pixel jumping but, and but you still like got that. it when you, you you lend your hand to it I mean you know. uh, it was the cookie cutter levels in Mario Galaxy it's like you know what I, can, I can't be doing this <laughs> so yeah Zelda what about you Chris what, what well you know what it'll transport? be don't you uh, next Christmas it'll be when the Star Wars music starts oh, at, the, at the beginning yeah you know and you hear that you hear that and you see the the words on the screen mm. it's just going to be you're going to yeah, get such a shiver up your spot even though you've been burnt a bunch of times I, by the prequels I remember that with the prequels it's like oh my god I've waited so long for the oh just the still- fanfare oh but the, we, you won't have the 20th Century Fox fa- fanfare at the beginning why not it's Disney oh, yeah. but you'll have the, that'll, you'll that'll have, be weird though won't it you won't have the that's a really good point but you'll still have the music. You'll still have the yeah. The but it's almost like in your head. But the, that is the part one, of it. In yeah. your head, yeah, it leads one, in. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. almost like the intro that tees up the yeah. Star Wars thing. But yeah, it's, it's what you grew up on. So for me, it was when I went to Odeon Leicester Square to watch Indiana Jones four, 
and that's where I'd seen Indiana Jones Last Crusade in 89 and I went with my brother and so the start of that was really special yeah and it was the same actually with uh, Superman Returns right because he used the music as well yeah of course that's such a big part of it but when when that music started up I felt like I was transported back to childhood I'm going to have this moment next year as well with the yeah, mm. I would, like that music is so evocative. I can't imagine them not using it. Yeah, even though it's Giacchino, he's got to use that music in some way. He has to. And it'll take me back to watching that for the first time in 1993 mm. on yep. the island of Jersey. Yep. I can remember where I was sitting yep. in the I cinema with my mum and dad. Out. Really? Yep. Yeah, in the, yep. in the Bromley I, Odeon. And I hid three <laughs> times in the movie. I hid, I hid when Gennaro gets killed, when Muldoon gets killed, and when um, the Dilophosaurus <laughs> spits in Nedry's face. I got scared. There you go. Good that's question. why you're scarred for life. Yeah. Lots of good questions this week, I think. Uh, Adam Wrigley writes in saying, I wanted to know what you think about British people saying season <laughs> instead of series, because I know... <laughs> oh, I spoke too soon. This is a talking point. <laughs> this uh, is awesome. A lot of people do it, uh, especially people in my school. He's 15. Uh, I think that maybe we should say series instead of season, because we shouldn't let ourselves be swallowed by American culture. And there's a person in my year who even has an American twang in their accent. <laughs> Uh, but I think I'm being too dramatic and annoyed about it. I'd love to hear your thoughts Ooh. as other pop people say. I think this is a great question. So Scarlett started, she, because of Frozen, she starts singing things with American, like, you want to be able to know me? Why are you saying it like that? Bloody Broadway singing as well. Yeah. It does my nut in. Um, well, I get, a series to me signifies six episodes. Like ah, a British series. Yeah. like. Red Dwarf season three is six episodes, where a season is twenty odd episodes because it it will span an entire calendar season. season. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess that's how I use it. So would you say it's the latest X but Factor season? I, I would say Doctor Who series. Oh, I don't know because it's that's thirteen episodes. That's that's it's split, isn't it? I do. I think for a British show, I would tend to use series. In American, I would use the word season. Right. That's kind of probably how I do it. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for me, I, I know where you're coming from. I hate sort of giving up English words to use kind of American terms, but because I've been writing about TV for IGN for so long, uh, you don't want to keep saying the word season or the word series or through an article. So I just use them both to mix it up. You mix it up. And therefore, it's just something I'm used to doing now. I don't know what will come out of my mouth next time I have to talk about a season or a series. There you go. Who knows? It's unpredictable. You never know. But I like to live on the edge. Good. Okay, James Lewis has some quick-fire questions for us. I'll ask the first two. Okay. Um, what jobs would you guys do if you weren't in games journalism? Think about that, and I'll ask the second okay, one as well. Okay, I thought you said they were quick-fire. I'll try and answer really quick. Uh, who are your favourite game-slash-film critics? Oof. Okay. Uh, if I wasn't... Oh, I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, oh, yeah. I'd be a tree surgeon. Mm. Something outdoorsy. And then I'd probably get cold and go, oh, I don't like this. You but should yeah. design a tree surgeon game. How boring would that, that be? One, your twin <laughs> passions. Um, and in terms of games critics, uh, I admire Simon Parkin. I think he's very good. Yeah. Film critics, I wouldn't say I've got a favourite. Probably Chris Tilly. Very nice. Very correct answer because I am actually quite good. Dan? So if I wasn't a, a games film journalist, whatever I am, mm-hmm. I think I... Well, I was kind of already starting to teach English. But I probably would have had an entirely different career. I, I would have liked to have been a scientist. I'd probably a geneticist. But invented dinosaurs. I was very good at biology. Mm. I'd be a ghost. Particularly gene- genetics. I used to. I did a A level mod um, course in genetics, which was pretty interesting. Mm. Yeah. 
Um, I, um, in terms of critics, the the one critic is quite obviously this is going to be a very obvious answer, but one of the reasons why I wrote um, film criticism for my university paper and thought film criticism was kind of viable and kind of influenced what I did after university mm. to kind of get into this career was Mark, Mark Kermode. Mm-hmm. I remember watching his Channel 4, Film 4 documentaries as a kid, the one on Halloween and the Fear of God documentary, mm-hmm. which is his Exorcist documentary. And I was like 97. And I thought, what, you can make a job writing and making TV shows about horror films. Yeah. yeah. This is amazing. This is what I want to do. And then I found out he did a PhD at Manchester University in horror literature, which is kind of what I started to do. I went to UCL to do a PhD in late Victorian horror fiction. Yeah. I was kind of modeling him unconsciously. And it kind of worked out in the end. He was talking here. J- James, yeah. James added, <laughs> what's the Mark Kermode IGN drama about? Well, it's probably, probably because I love him. Nah. Do you remember no, this? Oh, I do remember it? this. I think this might have been before I started working here. Yeah, he just said on the radio there was a. Uh, it was for the, it was it was one of my that's quotes. Right, it was for, right. I said there was I was quote on the poster for the movie Red, not yeah. the one you mentioned earlier, the Bruce Willis one, and said it was great. Love that movie. He didn't like the movie, and he was complaining about the poster and was like, "Who is this IGN anyway? Why are they on the oh. poster?" And then loads of people were kind of messing oh, us, telling upset us. me now. Yeah. Um, so uh, mine's a bit predictable. What job I'd do if I wasn't in a movie journalist? Because a lot of a movie journalist the same I'd like to be a screenwriter oh. and I keep trying I'm just not very good at it but I will get that football movie made um, brilliant and, title <laughs> and um, as for critics I like I really like I actually met the critic I really like uh, in Austin last week he's an American guy called Leonard Moulton okay. and uh, he's been around donkey's years and he's he's just a really smart lovely man who's just you know there's no side to his reviews he's just it's really intelligent thoughtful um criticism and so yeah that was really an honor to meet him actually and jonathan ross was like my mark mode when i was growing mm. up he was making um film uh documentaries yeah. the incredibly strange film show yeah. and he did a book called the incredibly strange film book which i've still got about all these weird cult movies the kind of stuff i was yeah. watching in fantastic fest yeah. so it was weird when i first started working on ign i went to a screening and i sat um, kind of one seat down from Mark Kermode mm. I was like oh this is weird yeah this is kind of like the realisation he's been stalking yeah. for so long and then yeah. he was actually he was eating a sandwich and I think a very quick last one you have uh, Dan it was very, just a little plug for one of our readers very quick one and this is Sean Smith who's top top bloke he's going to do a 24 hour gaming session on Friday the 10th of October he's raising money for a hospital in Edinburgh that helps sick kids they have raised over 60k over the years to make a difference and he's hoping to add to that this year yep. so if you want to support Sean in his quest to raise money you can go to www.justgiving.com forward slash Sean and um, that's S-H-A-W-N hyphen Smith. Yeah. And yeah. Is, it, is it 24-hour gaming kind of thing, isn't it? I yes. Believe? Yes. Yeah. Full 24-hour gaming session. Awesome. Yep. So uh, let's take a quick look at the games and films out this week. So I think this is the first week when there are loads of games Blimey. Wow. Bumper. This is a strong Bumper. week Bumper. for games Bumper. and films. So okay. uh, I guess the biggie is obviously Shadows of Mordor. That scored incredibly well uh, on IGN. We've played it briefly here. Uh, I played it a bit at Gamescom. Very pretty. Um, it no, looks impressive. You can tell instantly it's quality. Yeah. See, what I didn't realise, and, and you said to me, was that it's actually made by the guy behind Red Dead. Yeah, he uh, was involved, yeah. So, mm. and obviously you can tell that from the opening scenes. Like, it's, it's pulling on your heartstrings. So there is, there's a story behind it. It's not just going around and mindlessly and killing orcs but uh, an exceptional game by all accounts Forza Horizon 2 obviously we did a ton of stuff for that early in the year again as racing games go they don't come much better than that 
Uh, I need to play it yet. I haven't actually played it that much, but um, Luke Riley, our resident racing guy, said it is amazing. It says that's the one to beat this year. Yeah. He, can't, he, can, he imagine that's going to be quite difficult. Yeah, and obviously you've got Drive Club coming shortly, and the, the crew, crew coming a little Project bit later cars. on. So Project Cars potentially moving into next year, I thought I heard. But anyway, we'll see. Super Smash Bros. 3D, not really my kind of game, 3DS, but good. Very good, apparently. Yeah. Um, Minecraft, PS4. Yeah, we talked about this a few weeks ago when it came out on Xbox One, but it's Minecraft. It's now out on, on everything. And kind of a bit more interesting. It's coming out on PS4 now, but it's Microsoft, Microsoft owned. Yeah. And then Sherlock Holmes, uh, which I know nothing about. If I'm it's um, another one of the Sherlock Holmes games, Crime and Punishment yeah. kind of adventure games. He's a character. Yeah. Um, he's a detective. Yeah, there's a bit of Benedict Cumberbatch thing never recently. Heard never heard of him. No. I thought he just made kind of cheap housing. Yep. No. Uh, films uh, you've seen some of these Dan haven't you this week so Dracula Untold yes. is not the biggest release of the week but we'll do that first uh, um, Dracula Untold um, review is up on site I gave it 6.5 saying it's okay mm. um, it's really short film it's 92 minutes long but I would say it struggles to fill 92 minutes mm-hmm. wow it goes cuts straight to the action so it's Vlad the Impaler historical-ish take on Dracula mythos he, in a quest to save his people from the invading Turks, he makes a deal with a vampire. He gets all the vampire's powers mm. and will return to human form in three days if he doesn't bite someone and drink their blood. Right. It makes him into a really kick-ass dark superhero. Lots of action, quite stylish, but a little bit thin on the ground in terms of character right. stuff. It's been advertised everywhere. Yeah, and also it is kind of, I think, the first in the Universal's Monsters universe, even though they're not playing up that angle. There's very mm. much a Avengers vibe to it. Right. Uh, is Luke Evans any good? I don't really I think like he's him much. perfectly fine. I don't really buy the scenes with his like kid and wife. I don't think he does that mm. very well, but he's fine in the action stuff. Gone Girl. Gone Girl. Massive. Blimey, I saw that last Friday. Yeah. That is a dark and twisted piece of filmmaking. It's very long. It's something like 167 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it's because it's necessarily long because I think it wants you to think mm. it's going to resolve itself midway through mm. and then it goes into uncharted territory and goes mm-hmm. strange and weird and more sinister more dark Ben Affleck's perfect yeah and also yeah. so is Rosamund Pike she's good I thought yeah I, um, her being good in that I role. don't really want to say much more than that okay. for obvious reasons um, but where does it sit in the kind of David Fincher pantheon um, it's kind of this I think you know it feels of later Fincher it's kind of it fits right in amongst Social Network, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, mm. and um, Zodiac. Zodiac's one of my favourite films of recent years. And mm. it's not quite as dark as that. There's actually some funny moments in Gone Girl. Well, it's I don't like know a black comedy at times. Yeah, it I really think it does. Pl- and it does play like that. I was, because I've not read the book, I was some, I'm expecting something much darker mm. along the lines of Zodiac. But there are definite laughs in there yeah. where you release tension. Um, but yeah, it's beautifully made. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. Uh, draft Day, which I've seen, it's a Kevin Costner sports movie about Draft Day in the American football season. Now, I understand American football just about. Yeah. I didn't have a clue what was going on in this movie. Okay. When they were trading drafts, or it's, it's just about oh, him yeah, trading yeah. drafts with different people for different players. Is it not like transfer deadline day? Or? It, it is, but it isn't because the, all the clubs make trades with each other before the deals are done. Right. And it was I didn't really understand <laughs> what these trades meant. Right. And they never explained it. So not their problems, my yeah, problem. Yeah, yeah. But it was it's uh, not made. You need to be yeah. a bit. But I nevertheless savvy. enjoyed it. It was a bit Jerry Maguire. Okay. And okay. Costner's Costner's great. Yeah. And then uh, with Nell and I is getting re-released, which Alex doesn't like, and I didn't like, but do like now. 
I need to see it again. I, I remember not liking it very much when I saw it at university because everyone at university was like, oh, we have to Go watch this all the time. Honestly, I have to drink yeah. to it. It's like, oh, I haven't seen it yet. I find that whole thing so painful. Yeah. So, so go see Gone Girl. Go wow. see Gone Girl. Play Shadows of Mordor. Mm. And also Forza and, and Super Smash, Smash Brothers and, and Minecraft and Sherlock Holmes. Wow. What a week. <laughs> what a week. Uh, that's it for this week's podcast. I am going to give the um, Gamers Choice thing one more plug because we really do want to win it. SurveyMonkey.com slash S slash 22957JP. That's SurveyMonkey.com slash S slash 22957JP. Vote for IGN UK podcast for the win. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, chaps. Uh, we'll be back same time next week and it's really not that long till episode 250. Uh-oh. 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 Uh-oh.